that's what repentance means, they find God's forgiveness great. Now, I've just blown a good story. You never tell a story by giving the punchline at the beginning. But that's what I've done. I've told you where I'm going with this story. I've given away the whole plot. For in spite of our disbelief and our skepticism and our conviction that nobody ever really changes, can the leopard change his spots? Wonderful quotation out of the Scripture. If you ask Jonah, he would have said no. If you ask Jesus and God, they'll say, yeah, human beings God's involved, even awful people can be made different. But I'm not sure we really believe that, do we? I mean, we, we say we believe the gospel, but do you really believe these terrible people out there can change? Do you really? We, we don't see a lot of evidence of it. Occasionally we'll see the change, but mostly... We give lip service to this. We seldom, if ever, really see it happen. Now that I've blown the storyline, now that I've admitted the skepticism we all have about people being able to change, let's look at the story again, except this time, let's try to remember the punchline. Nineveh is to the north and east of Israel. Tarshish, although we don't know exactly where it is, the text today said Spain, and that's where we think it was, is exactly the opposite direction. It's to the west. It is to the ends of the earth in the ancient way of thinking. You can't get there from here kind of place. Tarshish is not the same place as where Paul's from. That's Tarsus. That's in Asia Minor. So God says to Jonah, go to Nineveh and preach. And so what, is, what does this stalwart prophet of God do? He runs just as hard and fast as he can in the other direction. That's how we get to this business about the great fish and the storm at sea and all that other business. Not like little Samuel in last week's text. Here my God, send me. Uh-uh, not Jonah. He is not about to go to Nineveh if he can help it. And if you understand the background, maybe you'll understand a little better. What do you know about Nineveh? Capital Syria, a capital city of the Assyrians. In northern Iraq, is what we would say. Some of the most oppressive bloodthirsty people the culture had ever seen to date. To understand the powerful message of Jonah, you have to understand such what the magnitude of such a call from God might look like. Nineveh is the capital city of the most infamous, vicious, blasphemous culture the world has seen. They're as bad as the Nazis. They just did it on a smaller scale. And so Jonah is being sent to the very people who were the cruelest in antiquity and had, in fact, 
captured his own nation. Now, I know we don't want to hear stuff like this on a Sunday morning. Most of our children are gone. But the truth is, you have to understand something about the brutality of these people. Like others, they simply enjoyed torturing people for the sake and the pleasure of torture. They burned people alive. They killed them. They skinned them. And they used their skin as wallpaper. Sounds like somebody else, doesn't it? what the Nazis did too. You understand then why Jonah doesn't want to go. Who would? Maybe they're going to kill him if he goes. But I have a suspicion that Jonah didn't want to go for another reason. He says it. He says it in the end of the text I read for you. He didn't want to go not because he was afraid something bad would happen to him. He didn't want to go because he was afraid that if he went, they would actually repent. And if they repented, maybe God wouldn't kill them. And he wanted them dead. He wanted all of them dead. Do you understand that sentiment? We act like we don't, but I suspect somewhere deep inside we know. So... We have the great story about the fish and all that business. And, and Jonah finally deciding, well, if I can't run from God, for God is everywhere, I guess I'm going to finally have to go. And so he goes. And he preaches the shortest, five words in Hebrew, worst sermon ever preached. I have preached some doozies. I've never preached one this bad. Repent. Or God's going to kill you. That's it. That's the sermon. And he's sure, at least at this point, he's sort of sure, that God's going to probably destroy him. And the good part for him is, if he preaches destruction and he can get out of the city, maybe he can find a high place and watch when God sends down the fire and brimstone and kills him. Figured out by now the Old Testament can be pretty bloodthirsty in places. Our readings have got us to that point, haven't they? So Jonah does what he's instructed to do, finally. It's a strange story. Some scholars say that what it really is, is a satire. It is a deliberate farce with serious intent. Like any satire in literature, it's meant to disestablish the establishment. It's meant to change the way we think about stuff, especially the way we think about God. So Jonah does his running bit, and he gets swallowed up, and he gets thrown out. Well, that's a lovely thought, isn't it? Three days in the belly of the beast. And then God comes to him again and says, Jonah, what part of this don't you understand? You're going to go to Nineveh, and you're going to preach. And so he goes, and he's done this awful sermon we've heard about. And then what happens is exactly what he was afraid would happen. According to the story, the people of Nineveh heard the message. I don't know of any place we can correlate that in ancient history. The Bible says they heard the message. And in that moment, 
this sackcloth and ashes they repent God decides he'll have They don't just repent, they fast, and they do all the things that ancient people did to show they were sorry for their bad behavior. I mean, according to the text, if you want to go through all of that, everybody does it from the king down to the critters in the street. Everybody is repenting. Now, How do you think Jonah reacts? You already know. You've heard the punchline. Jonah's furious. God, I knew you were going to do this. I might as well die. You know, it's like the child holding its breath until it turns blue. Jonah means it. I might as well die, God. You didn't do what you said. You have let these people get away with it. That's why I ran away, because I knew you were a merciful God. I want justice. And, of course, we know what justice means, right? Justice means we want God to do the good things for us and punish everybody else. That's, that's really how human beings think about justice. We say we don't, but we do. God be on my side, hurt everybody else. So why would I exaggerated story like this show up in the Well, if it's comedy, if it's satire, then it's about us. And the chances are it's about the way we take our world and the way we take it at times far too seriously. You know, the first thing that happens in a totalitarian regime it's not the taking away of everybody else's freedom. That's not the first thing. The first thing is you silence the comments. You never let anybody laugh at the regime. Because as long as you can laugh at them, you've got power over them. Jonah going to Nineveh would be like me saying to you today, you know, I've had a vision from God, and I believe God wants me to go to Syria and northern Iraq and preach to ISIS. I ain't going. I'm glad I hadn't had that vision. <laughs> I'm real glad I hadn't had that vision. Because we all know what's going to happen. You know, I'm toast. That's what it's like. Jonah's afraid and we're afraid. But maybe like Jonah, we're afraid because those people we deem as the worst of the worst, the enemy of everybody. Maybe we're afraid that it might be possible for even those horrible folks to change. Now, how do I know all these things I've said about Jonah is true? Well, if you come over into the New Testament in both Matthew and Luke, you will have Jesus using the repentance of the Ninevites as a symbol. And as I was talking with somebody before the service, we talked about how things repeat in the Scriptures. Jesus even uses, just as Jonah was three days in the belly of the beast, so what's he referring to? 
He's referring to his own time of death. That's what all those symbols highlight. Jesus tried to tell us. The Old Testament tried to tell us. Remember the father who waits for the prodigal son to come home and not only receives the prodigal back, but when the older brother pitches a fit, even tries to get him back too. See, the, the story of Scripture, whether we want it to be or not, and in spite of all the horrible stuff you're reading right now, if you're reading through the Bible, is ultimately a story of grace. Don't forget that. As you read those awful stories that sometimes are there in the Scripture, remember it's really always about the God who is waiting for us to change waiting to forgive. It's about grace. It's about the God who makes the first move. And we're not so sure we really want that. Sometimes we just assume God went ahead and punished whatever punishment. But the entire message of both the Old and the New Testament, if you boil it down to its essence, is about the God who is merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast. That's what the New Centuries after the parable was written, Jesus, as I told you, uses himself as an example. As Jonah was three days, so will the Son of Man. about the kingdom of God, what's really possible? Do you think people can change? Well, how about you? Do you think you can change? See, it may not be so much us worrying about other people changing. The question may be, how much am I willing to let God change? Am I willing to respond to this God of mercy by returning mercy when I'm the one who's been hurt? We keep telling ourselves, ah, folks don't change. It's always been this way. It always will be. God really isn't at work. People are always going to do what they do. The world's just going to get worse. Really? Don't we think that God's grace is available to everybody? One of the hard, hard lessons that we have to deal with week after week, Sunday after Sunday, are we the ones who will stand up and stand with God for grace, for mercy, for change? Are we the ones who will declare the world lost and empty and dead? You know, we tend to get what we decide the world's going to be. If we decide there's hope and possibility, then chances are we will find hope and possibility. If we declare the world lost, then chances are all we will see. The story of Jonah is don't write people off. 
God's not done with them yet. If God can do what he does in the Jonah story, God can do something in your life too. And that's really where we need change, isn't it? If God will change my attitude. See, we've got this idea that somehow we can fix the world. Who are we kidding? Most of the time, we can't fix ourselves. The only person who we can really work on is me. And when we let God do that in us, then we have the possibility of seeing a world change. You're always worrying about whether or not I'm going to live up to Already Surely God can make us better, different, That's the Bible. In the name of the Father.